Welcome to the Together for Good podcast brought to you by Bethany Lutheran Church in Cherry Hills Village, Colorado. Today's episode is a Bible study. I found a passage of scripture that we read just a couple weeks ago and I just had to talk about it. It's Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. I love it. There's so many cool details as a part of this scripture passage and so I said, you know what, it's time. Let's do a podcast on that. So that's what I've got for you today, but as always, um, please, I, I want to communicate with you too. If you have questions about anything that I bring up, don't ever hesitate to email me. Um, thoughts, comments, critiques, or questions, my email, nate at bethany-denver.org. It's that easy. And um, also would love to know what episodes you've liked. We're really trying to figure out how to move forward with this podcast. Should I do more Bible studies, more of the interviews with my dad or other special guests, things like that. Um, just would love to hear your feedback. So feel free to email me if you have any podcast thoughts. But as always, thanks for listening. Feel free to tell family and friends about this as we continue to grow our audience. Um, It's been a lot of fun putting this together, and I really appreciate your support. But now, let's have a Bible study, shall we? Here we go. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Hello, friends. It's time for a Bible study. This is a one of my absolute favorite passages of scripture. It's from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. If you wanted to get your Bibles out. And if it sounds a little familiar, that's because it probably is. It means you are paying attention in church. Just two weeks ago on May the 2nd, the first reading was Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. And uh, it's a really interesting story. The, the book of Acts often contains some really great stories because it's talking all about how the Christian church got started, the very early years of this fledgling faith. And there's a lot of cool stories that happen within it. But this one in particular has some uh, interesting peculiarities to it. And it's really important because it, uh, in a way, describes how Christianity spread to the continent of Africa. If you, this is a story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and actually the Christian church in Ethiopia does try to chase, trace their lineage back to this one man, this one individual who Philip encountered on the road one day. So pretty cool from a historical standpoint, and um, pretty cool just in terms of a story as well. I often like to teach on this passage when I am, uh, when people are wondering about evangelism. It's a scary topic. It seems like for good Lutherans who like to sit in the back row and nod along quietly to the music. And so um, evangelism tends to scare us, but this passage gives us some interesting ways of approaching that topic. How do we share our faith with other people? What's a safe and biblical way to go about that task that we've been called to? So let's get into it, shall we? Let's read some from the book of Acts, chapter 8. Let's start at verse 26. Here we go. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. Okay, so in that first verse, we have this parenthetical phrase. It says, this is a wilderness road. Here's the thing. It's not. (laughs) It's not a wilderness road at all. If you actually look at the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, that was a pretty... A commonly traveled thoroughfare. Jerusalem was the capital city where everyone went to worship during the festivals and everything else. So all roads lead to Jerusalem. And even if this wasn't necessarily the main thoroughfare, it, it wasn't a wilderness road by any stretch. 
but then why did they say this? Why is this even included? What this is doing, that detail is added because it's setting the stage of the story for something important to happen. The wilderness isn't so much uh, an actual physical trait of the road. This term wilderness is more about the fact that God's going to show up there. As you know, the wilderness is a place that occurs throughout the scriptures. And whenever someone goes to the wilderness, it really seems like something very special happens. Jesus goes off and is tempted in the wilderness in order to prepare for his ministry. The Israelites wander in their wilderness in order to be reformed as God's people moving from slavery to freedom. And now we're told that Philip is told by an angel to walk down this road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And it's a road where God is present where God will act. Just as the angel is the one that told Philip to walk on the road, we also know and can expect God to show up somehow, that God is willing the encounter to happen that's about to follow. Let's find out what happens next, though. Verse 27. So Philip got up and went. Now, there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He came to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, so pause. Just showing you exactly my point earlier. People went to Jerusalem to worship, and there was a road that got them there. But that's beside the point. What we really find in this verse is an introduction to a main character in the story, an Ethiopian eunuch. But I want you to just realize all of the details that we get about this particular character in just this one verse. We learn that he's from Ethiopia. For those of you who don't know your African geography, shame on you. (laughs) There's a whole bunch of different countries in Africa. It's good to know where they're located. Ethiopia is on the eastern coast, um, east northeast, not like the northeastern corner. That's Egypt, but a little ways down from Egypt in Africa. So this person's pretty far from home. Um, But yeah, in that eastern African area, central eastern Africa. He's Ethiopian. He's an important figure, we hear, too. He's in charge of the treasury. And so he's probably a relatively wealthy individual, especially if he's able to make the journey all the way from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem. And But what's interesting is that we get this sense within the story that he's spiritually uh, hungry, spiritually impoverished in some sort of way. But we also know that the fun fact about him being the charge of the treasury is that he's not physically impoverished. I know that might seem like I'm just kind of, you know, giving you these weird details, but that's an important message, I think, for us to recognize, too, is that even if you have a really good job and everything going for you, you have all of the physical needs of yourself taken care of, you can still be searching for something in your soul. You can still be spiritually hungry, even if you are not physically impoverished. And the Ethiopian, that's why I love this character, is because I think there's a lot of people today who could really connect with that idea. But wait, we learn a little bit more about this guy. He's also Jewish, we learn. We can assume that because he was going to Jerusalem to worship. You would only go to Jerusalem to worship at that date and time if you were going to the temple for some sort of Jewish festival. So just an important piece that we pick up on from the context clues, as my third grade reading teacher would say. We also learn that he's a eunuch. A eunuch is um, actually an individual who is specifically barred from being in the temple according to Jewish law. It's true. Deuteronomy 
23, verse 1, states specifically that anyone who is a eunuch is not allowed in the assembly of the Lord. It literally, that is the verse. Anyone who is a eunuch may not be permitted into the assembly of the Lord. That's the, the correct direct quote, depending on your translation. I would often joke that that was my confirmation verse um, when confirmation students asked me. Um, but that's just a little joke to make them go scrambling to look up Deuteronomy 23.1. What the real point is, though, is that the, this man's an outsider. Jewish law, even though he's Jewish, even though he's faithful, even though he's made the trip to Jerusalem to worship, maybe he wasn't allowed in the temple because the laws say that he's not allowed in the temple. This might be part of the spiritual hunger he's feeling. He's an incredible outsider who, who apparently doesn't seem to be allowed to be a part of what's going on there in Jerusalem. And, and that's got to be very hurtful and very difficult and harmful for him. We don't know necessarily that he was rejected when he went up there, but there certainly would have been cause for the Jewish authorities to reject him. There would be a literal chapter and verse that they could point to to say, hey, you don't belong here, guy. Um, and that's also, I think, a really important part of this whole story. There's a lot of debate within the Christian church these days about right, like who's allowed to get married in the church, who's allowed to be a part of the congregation. And I often think about the Ethiopian eunuch and how he was likely rejected by the Jews, but as we'll see, he was fully accepted by Philip. It really seems like within the early Christian church is that the Holy Spirit was breaking down a lot of barriers. And those who used to be outsiders were being welcomed into the community. And so that's where I think the Christian church should continue to uh, direct its efforts. But, I mean, and furthermore, what, what we also know about this man, as I said, is that he made the long journey all the way to Jerusalem to worship. And that, that shows that he has incredible devotion. He really cares about his relationship with God and his life of faith. And so likely he was a very devoted individual who was then rejected after his long journey. We don't know that for sure, but reading the context clues, that seems like it could be a very real possibility in terms of what was playing out. And so I wanted to give you all of that context. I know this is a lot of detail up front, but it's so important for what happens next. Because what happens next is Philip being directed by the Spirit, being directed by the voice of God to act in a way that seems completely counter to the religious status quo of that moment. Whew. Okay, so now... Hang on, I need a sip of water after all that talking. Let's read the next verse, verse 28. And the eunuch was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Cool, prophet Isaiah. I love the prophet Isaiah. It's a nice long book of the Bible, but here's why this might have been a particularly important book for this man to be reading. Again, he's a eunuch who was likely rejected in Jerusalem when he went there to worship. But he cares deeply about his faith. And although he is not physically impoverished, he seems to be spiritually hungry for connection and acceptance. So here we go. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 14 says, Thus says the Lord, the wealth of Egypt and the merchandise of Ethiopia and the Sabians, tall of stature, shall come over to you and be yours. They shall follow you. They shall come over in chains and bow down to you. They will make supplication to you, saying, God is with you alone, and there is no other. There is no God besides him. Okay. 
So this is just a small quote from the book of Isaiah that talks about the Ethiopians being included and a part and connected to the God of Israel. It's not the best verse in the world. It seems like they're kind of becoming slaves to the Israelites. You know, that's not the point. I think the point there in that verse more is that Ethiopia is directly mentioned as a country, a nation that will be included and connected to the God of Israel. So that might have been what this Ethiopian eunuch was reading, reading about his people being a part of the Jewish community, being uh, followers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, but wait, there's more. If you turn ahead to Isaiah chapter 56, look at verse 3. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. What if the eunuch was reading those words about how the God of Israel is promising a new name, promising acceptance? Maybe he was reading those words and he was so confused because he had just been rejected in Jerusalem for the, the, the person that he was, for his identity. Isn't that fascinating to think about? There's some really cool parts of Isaiah, and that's why I think it's a great detail that they include here, is that that was the book he was reading. All right, so then let's move along to verse 29. Then the Spirit, see, the Spirit's directing. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. This is a divinely inspired event. Remember I told you in the beginning, it's a wilderness road, but not really. It's a road where God will show up, where God is the author and the director of the encounter. God is at work in what is happening on this road. And once again, the Spirit's the one that leads Philip. Go to the chariot, Philip. So then Philip does. Here, verse 30. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? And I'll read verse 31 too. The eunuch replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. So this is just an important reminder that reading the Bible is something we need to do with other people. <laughs> do you understand this? How can I understand it by myself is what the eunuch replies. It's a great little synopsis of why we should study the Bible together. Um, we learn so much from each other's interpretations. And that's what I always like to remind people is it's, it's a living text. And I know it's kind of hard because this is a podcast and I'm just telling you a whole bunch of details. But what you need to know, this isn't Nate's interpretation and Nate's authority telling you how you should interpret this passage. I did a ton of prep in, for this podcast. I read a whole bunch of different commentaries, which are other voices that kind of add to all of this. And it all swirls together in conversation in order to present you with these thoughts. But even beyond that, you know, you should, you know, write to me about what you heard and what you think and come and show up to Bible studies because I think that it is very clear that the Bible is meant to be read in community. That no one person has access to the true interpretation, but rather we understand more fully what God is up to when we listen to multiple viewpoints from a variety of different people 
who are in a variety of different settings and circumstances. All of that helps fuel and is guided by the Holy Spirit as we think about what the Bible could be saying. So that's my little rant, my soliloquy on biblical interpretation and why it should happen in community. And it's also just a reminder that these Bible study podcasts are not just uh, Nate thinking things up, but they're the result of hours of uh, interpretive work in conversation with a variety of different uh, commentaries, etc. So just so you know. Um, but then I wanted to go back to the verse now. The important moment that happens is that the eunuch invites Philip to sit beside him. And in those days, someone who sits beside you is your teacher. The, the place of the teacher is the place beside you. And so this eunuch isn't just inviting him to, hey, come along on a, on a chariot ride. It's, hey, please, will you teach me and help me understand this passage? So then we move along. More water. One second. Verse 32. Now the passage of scripture that the man was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. So we learn a particular passage from Isaiah that this man was reading. Again, that's not to discount some of the pieces I said earlier, right? He, this is a long ride from Jerusalem back to Ethiopia. So some of those other passages that I mentioned from the book of Isaiah, very likely he could have been reading them. It's just an interesting way to think about the whole situation there. But what we learn clearly is that this is the particular passage he was stumbling with at the moment that Philip showed up. And so what's interesting is the eunuch seems to see himself within the story. He, he's wondering, does he have reason to hope? Is there someone, is there some way that he, an outcast, can find himself within this story? A sheep who has led to the slaughter, a lamb silent before its shear, humiliation, justice denied him. Perhaps, again, we wonder, was he rejected in Jerusalem? And so is he seeing himself as the one, the outcast, the rejected, the lamb silent before its shearer? He's also just wondering, you know, who this might be talking about. So this leads us to the next verse, verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? This is the center verse of this entire passage. Within a lot of biblical literature, there's something called the chiastic form. I've probably talked about this on podcasts in the past because it's really uh, essential for understanding some of the writings within our Bible. But the chiastic form is simply the idea that the meaning is in the middle. That's how you can remember it. Chiastic form, the meaning is in the middle. And so this is kind of the central verse, the middle verse of this story, verse 34. And it's this question. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself? or about someone else. Now here's why that's the key question. Because the eunuch himself is wondering, like, is this passage about me? He's also wondering, is this about me and, and what I've experienced and what I've been through? Is there hope for an outcast like me? Or is this passage about something, someone else? And what's really 
like amazing, what we'll see is the answer is yes. <laughs> it's a both and. Um, the passage sure is about the eunuch in some ways because it's also about Jesus and the ways that Jesus opens the doors and opens the promises to all the outcasts. Let's keep reading. You'll see more of what I'm saying. Verse 35. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with the scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. This term, Philip began to speak. If you look at the original Greek, a better translation would be, Philip was divinely inspired to speak. This is the third time within this short little section of scripture that we get mentioned that God is directing and leading it. The angel told Philip to go, you know, to go up to the chariot. The spirit then compelled Philip to join the chariot. And now God is inspiring Philip to speak to the eunuch within the chariot. Verse 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Philip proclaims the good news about Jesus. I think that's an important point. He proclaims it. He doesn't explain it. It's not a logical conclusion. He doesn't offer a systematic theology as to why Jesus, yes, therefore, be it resolved, is the one Isaiah was speaking about. No, no, he's proclaiming the story of Jesus. You see, evangelism is emotional. And what Philip did there has an emotional, spiritual piece to it. It's not just all in his head. It's not just trying to convince someone that you are right and they are wrong. What he was doing for this man is he was speaking to the eunuch's deep need. Is this story about me or, or is it about someone else? You know, am, am I accepted? Do I have reason to hope as an incredible outcast? And so Philip proclaims to him, like, yes, like, you're a part of this. Let me tell you about Jesus, who is a person who is accepting and welcoming. Let me tell you about Jesus, who changed the game forever so that everyone could be invited into the assembly of the Lord. And so the eunuch hears all this, and then he asks such a great question when they come across the water. Look, here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? And really, hasn't that been his question all along? Right? Like, what... Why are all these things preventing me from being a part of the assembly of the Lord? Why do people look at me funny because I'm an Ethiopian who came all the way from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem to worship? Why was I not allowed to worship in the temple because I'm a eunuch? Why am I constantly being, you know, turned aside and let go? And then it all shifts. It's the same question, but it's completely been changed by Philip proclaiming the story of Jesus. What's to prevent me? Nothing. Like that's, the, it's, it, it, that's the whole point. There's nothing to prevent you. And the eunuch has come to this realization because of Philip's proclamation. Ah, that's cool. This is good stuff. I love the Bible. <laughs> and so it's also just such a good reminder to us that opportunities for ministry will always like show up along our path. The, the, the water wasn't planned. Um, also, if it's really in the wilderness, would there be water just bringing us back to that whole wilderness road point? No, the wilderness doesn't have water. It's a desolate place. Further example of why this wasn't a wilderness road in the typical sense of it. But back to my original point, there are opportunities for ministry that will come across our path all the time. 
And that's what is really beautiful about this story too, is they saw the opportunity and they, they took advantage of it. Let's go. Let's baptize you right here, right now. In the gospels, this happens to Jesus all the time too. He's walking from one place to another and someone comes along, crosses path. And then Jesus heals that person, cares for that person, listens to that person. It's a good reminder for us that we need to have our eyes open and to be ready for the opportunity to proclaim Jesus to someone with word or deed because the opportunities for ministry are just going to show up along our path. They're not going to be predetermined and planned. They'll kind of pop up out of nowhere. All right, so here's what happens next. Look, here's water. What's to prevent me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So the eunuch went on his way rejoicing because his life had changed forever. He had gotten news that he was to be a part of the community. He was welcomed. He was accepted. Um, and the, nothing could prevent that. He, no longer was he the outsider's outsider. Again, just think about his identity. He was a eunuch from Ethiopia. He had no business being in Jerusalem whatsoever. But along the way on this journey, he learns that because of Jesus, he is accepted and apart and welcomed there. And then what's interesting is that, you know, this incredible moment, this incredible story, and then boom, all of a sudden, Philip is also in another place. His spirit led him elsewhere. And so it's further illustration. This was all the work of the spirit, and there was more work to do. Philip went on his way proclaiming the good news, speaking to people on an emotional, spiritual level, not trying to academically convince them that he was right, but telling them news that would change their soul forever, just as it did for the Ethiopian eunuch. Ooh, wow, I had a lot to say on this one, but it's so good. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, as always, thanks so much for listening. This is a great uh, little story from the Book of Acts that probably doesn't get enough airtime if you ask me because there's so much in it. But thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Share this around. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with more great content. You know it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay in peace.